All right, guys. Um, we're going to continue on with the conversation about confessing our sins. Um, but before we do that, let's pray. Get in the right mindset, and we'll. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so blessed to be able to speak about things that you've written in your word. We're so blessed to be able to gather uh, together, Lord, and dive into difficult topics and into topics that are so needed in our, in our time. Lord, we pray that we can be focused uh, and, Lord, that we can glean from this lesson and from uh, the message today that Johnny will bring later. Lord, just what you have for us as individuals and as a body. Lord, help us to be focused. Help us to be diligent in the study of your word, not just on Sunday mornings, Lord, but throughout the week. Help us to apply all these principles and all these um, all these good things, Lord, that we've been learning these past couple of months um, to our lives, Lord, and let it enhance our time with you. And Lord, as we talk today about confession, Lord, help us to... Help us to seek to do it well, Lord, and with true and pure hearts. Lord, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so Mike, last week, uh, opened us up with this discussion on confession. Um, There's two meanings that we talked about, about confession. Does anybody know what those two meanings are or can tell me real quick? So there's the one. Yeah. Go uh, one is, I'm just going to cheat. Yeah, you can use the, the, handout. the handout. Well, I, I, I think of it like this. We can confess that Jesus is Lord, so positive confession. Of positive Lord, confession, right? Of Lordship of Christ. Mm-hmm. Also, confession of our sins. Right, yeah. So there's the, the positive and then the negative type of confession. Like Corey said, we can declare our faith um, in Christ declare that um, our adherence to God. Um, and then what we're mainly talking about, though, in, in this time is about the acknowledgement of guilt before God. So the type of confession I think most people think about. Um, so Mike talked about confession uh, results in forgiveness only because of Christ. Um, confession must be accompanied by repentance in order to be true. Um, and then we started to go into whom, what, and uh, whom and what should we confess? Um, Mike ended up talking about um, confess all of our sins to God, not just some of them, because guess what? God already knows them anyway, right? So we're supposed to confess them all, and it's not for God's sake that we confess all of our sins, because again, he knows those things. It's for our sake. It's so that we can be honest. It's a, it's a practice not only in confession, but in honesty with ourselves, um, and there's some sins that we don't recognize in our lives, and so we can ask God to reveal those sins to us. Okay? So that's what we got through last week. Uh, and so now we're going to continue on with who and what we should confess. And so if you're looking at your handout, I believe we are in section two. Uh, section two, part B, is where we're going to be starting. So uh, we confess all of our sins to God. Uh, we also need to confess to one another your sins against them. So if you go and you sin against a brother or sister, or even anybody, just a, a person, 
um, we should go and confess our sins to those people. Um, anybody got an idea why? Hard to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace if you've got something that you planted in somebody else that was wrong, and mm. they that needs to be reconciled, needs mm. to be taken out of the way. Yeah, very, very accurate. Yeah, the the was Bible. That a summary? What was that a summary? That was a summary. Very good job. I think you'll do great at the EEO stuff. Um, but yeah, the Bible places great importance on maintaining the right relationships with our fellow man. Um, and again, this is not just to, towards fellow Christians, but also towards people in general. Um, the Bible actually gives us two very explicit examples of this. So we're in Numbers 5, 5 through 7, and then Matthew 5, 23 through 24. I'm just going to read them, but... Numbers 5, 5 through 7, and then Matthew 5, 23 through 24. So number 5 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord, that person realizes his guilt. He shall confess his sin that he has committed. He shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him. To whom he did wrong. So this is not just, I, I stole $5 from you. I'm sorry. Uh, hope you forgive me. It's also an act of repentance as well by doing something, in this case physically, uh, by giving you the $5 back and then giving you interest. Okay, which good for you. Um, and that's not, God's not saying to do it for that purpose. Again, all of this confession of sin like uh, like Rex said, is really for that unity of the Spirit in this case, so that we can be, as brothers in the Lord, united in our faith and in the things that we're doing for the kingdom. Um, Matthew 5, 23-24 also says, So if, we are off if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Okay? So confessing our sins against others is required by Scripture. Um, it builds the unity. And this includes Christians, brothers and sisters particularly, but it's not limited to them. Same, uh, we have the same obligations to others. So for non-Christians, when you sin against somebody who doesn't know the Lord, and then you come to them and you say, hey man, I just wanted to let you know, uh, you know, I, li I lied about what you did, um, which is why you got in trouble by HR or whatever it is. Um, and I, I just want to say, I'm sorry, man. I'm going to go and I'm going to tell them that that was actually me who did it. Um, and I hope that we can, I hope that we can, you know, resolve this together. What do you think that does from a non-believer's perspective? You know, you're coming to them and you're apologizing. They didn't even know, you know, that you did something against them, you sinned against them, and then you come and admit it to them and ask for forgiveness. How is that going to be received? I mean, obviously there's the anger side that could be received. But how, what does that do for us? Humble. Definitely humbles us. Credibility to the gospel of witness, the gospel would change in our hearts. For sure. I think... 
in all these things. It's about maintaining trust. So it's not just not just unity of faith, but it's like trust in one another. And for an unbeliever who may trust people, they may never have trusted somebody like that. Mm. And so that would be different. Yeah, and when you have that level of trust, you, it can move you into the hope that lies within us, right? A gospel conversation to be had with them. I mean, shoot, someone came up to me, and I didn't know the Lord, and they told me, hey, I sinned against you, I'm sorry, I hope you can forgive me. I'd be like, what are you doing, man? Why would you admit this? Why would you say that you did something against me? Like, you're, that's not helping you at all, man. Like, what, what does that mean? I don't know, for me, trying to look from that perspective, it does seem like it would be a shocking thing. Um, but yeah, it would definitely build the trust. Definitely also humbles us as the individual and kind of puts our pride aside to be able to come to somebody like that and, and confess. Yeah. Like so many things in the scriptures, there's a paradox there, not a contradiction, paradox, in that it's very easy for us to go, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I tell him what I did, he'll never trust me again. Mm. And so the, his need to maintain trust exactly. is there. Mm -hmm. But it's gained like the way up is down, as Christ <laughs> gave us in the scripture. It's yeah. not. And it doesn't, that's not a guarantee that that person's not going to blow up and cut off all you know, communication and whatnot. But it's the right way to approach it. Right. I'm pretty sure it's Paul who says that as far as it, it concerns you, be peaceable in all things, right? That doesn't just mean to believers. That means in general, right? And we can't have peace with somebody if we're sinning against them, right? You just say all things. All, in all things, yes, yeah. very true. Thank you. All right, so confess to others that you've sinned against. We also need to confess our sins to your church. Now, this is not the Roman Catholic, uh, you know, sacramental confession, go in the booth, talk to the guy, leave, and now you're forgiven. Or do a couple of Hail Marys. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. But there are three ways that we're going to talk about for confessing our sins to the church. Uh, one is, I'm going to give you all three first. Uh, one is participate in con congregational prayer of confession. Two is confess to the church when you're baptized. And three, confess your offense to the church if you're disciplined. That's going to be a fun one to talk about. So number one, participate in congregational prayer confession. Um, in our corporate worship, we can collectively confess to one another our sins of commission and omission. What's a sin of commission? Something you do. What's uh, omission? Something you don't do. Something you fail to do, right? Something you know that you're supposed to do that you don't do. All right, good job. That was very quick, very easy. I like it when the answers just come flying like that. Um, so I'm going to say that first part again, though. In corporate worship, we collectively confess. So every Sunday morning, an elder comes up here and reads a, a prayer of confession to us. Our job as the people of God is to do that with them, not just to sit there and listen to Corey be up there and confessing something, it, it might not even apply to him. He is leading, they are leading us in this prayer of confession in order for us to identify the things that are in that prayer that might apply to us and then do that as well. 
So it shouldn't just be a, a passive thing that whenever there's a prayer of, of confession going on, it should be an active thing. We should be participating in that. That doesn't mean you've got to get up and start praying it as well out loud. No one needs to know that you're actually confessing this sin. But, you know, this is not for you guys to go out there and uh, be in front of everybody and confess your sins. That's very intimidating and sometimes not even healthy for you. Um, this is for you and God. Again, another way for you to be able to confess those sins to God. Um, yeah, it's and it's usually a scripture reading that is accompanied with that, typically from the Old Testament for us, uh, that helps us facilitate that, that prayer of confession. Um, any questions on, on that? Why we do that? Why we should do that? Just say it's mostly foreign to me. Like, it's foreign to us, uh, like when we grew up in the church. Yeah. So, it's corporate confession is not something we do or did. Um, so, it may be new, and, but that's okay. It's very old. <laughs> it may be new to you, but it is very old indeed. Very true. All right. And, and I, one of the reasons why I like doing the, the fact that we do that is sometimes it brings like a light bulb in my mind of like, oh crap, I did that this morning with a kid. I need to, I need to, I need to pray about that. So sometimes it can remind you of even things that maybe you've forgotten you've done throughout the week and whatnot. And it's just, it's just a good thing to help. You're not alone in it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, these prayers of confessions can be applying to a, a multitude of people, and you know, in the same row, like you said, very true. All right, so we participate in congregational prayer of confession. So I hope to see everybody moving their mouths. <laughs> I'm not going to look around. Um, but we confess to the church when we're being baptized. Uh, so we see, uh, we first see confession associated with baptism. Um, in the scriptures, the description of the work of John the Baptist in Mark uh, 1, 4 through 5. Uh, anybody want to read that for me? First person to get there and let me know. Mark 1, 4 through 5. Thanks. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river. Jordan, confessing their sins. So um, in that description, what comes first during the, uh, the baptism? He, he's proclaiming the baptism of what and what? Repentance. Repentance. For the forgiveness of sins. So we have to first repent. We've talked about this many times, but I think that there's still a number of people, unfortunately, who believe that repentance is a one-time thing, and then you're done. You wash your hands of it, and you're good. It's just not true, because you keep sinning, right? And we have to keep repenting of things, try and turn from them, and go the other way. Um, so repentance for the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> um, now, think about when we baptize people here in the trough outside. 
Are they standing up there and confessing every sin that they've ever done, line by line, person by person, you know, stuff like that? Answer is no. Um, We would be here for a very long time. It it would be very difficult to to do that as an individual and to experience that as a person from the outside. So does anybody know what is said during a typical baptism? Not you, Corey, because you do them. That would apply to this part? Um, Buried with him. Right. Yeah, so they go through the, they, they basically go through the gospel in a really quick uh, like minute uh, speech. And they say, do you, do you confess and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and he died for your sins, was buried and raised, and now sits at the seat of the right hand of the Father? Something along those lines. Sometimes you guys change it up. Um, but <laughs> you guys, you and God. <laughs> Um, so that's, that right there is the confession because they say, yes, I agree that I confess to that. Like we talked about at the very beginning and in, in the beginning of last week, there's the two forms of confession. This is one of those forms of confession. So we're, we're not only confessing our sins, saying, yes, I've sinned, but also that Christ has died for our sins, that we want to be buried and raised with him in the new, newness of life. And yet, as you mentioned earlier, the importance of repentance cannot be overstated here because anybody can stand you know in the water and say yep and, and get dipped and think I'm fine mm-hmm. the weight of that has to be something you're conscious of or you're just going through a ritual and outward rituals are not what pleases God yeah that's why <clears throat> you know that's why on the first profession of faith we don't automatically throw you in the water, you know, and, and bring you back out. We don't just automatically baptize you, right? There's a, <laughs> I know that's not how everybody does it, but there's a, a watching, a process. We have to, it's not for us necessarily to judge and make sure that you are truly a Christian and whatnot, but we should be able to see the fruit, right, of your confession of Christ in your life, especially if you're going to do such a public thing as baptism. It should be this, like you said, a weighty thing, something that you should be very serious about, happy, excited about, great stuff, but it's something that you should be ready for because you're professing to the body of Christ, saying, I'm one of you. I want to be, I want to be held to the same standards that all of you are held to. And that's a, that's a big weighty thing. All right. Number three, confess your offenses to the church if you're being disciplined. Church discipline is something that not everybody agrees with, uh, but they're just wrong. Uh, <laughs> mainly because the, the Bible just tells you what you're supposed to do, right? Anybody know where the church... What? Exactly. First Corinthians 5. Uh, wait, aren't we in First Corinthians? Didn't we just hear a sermon on First Corinthians 5 last week? We sure did. And if you didn't, it's online. So you can go listen to it. Or it will be on. It is on. It is on. There we go. Um, but yeah, so we've been speaking about confession and uh, confession of the kind of the secret sins against God or private sins against people, uh, and, and which is done publicly and for specific reasons. This third type of public confession to your church. <clears throat> 
excuse me, uh, we're speaking of having personally, having to personally confess to the church for willfully persisting in a serious sin in conjunction with church discipline. So this is not, I took an extra cup of coffee and I didn't tell anybody, or I said I only had one. Do I have to go up in front of the church and confess on it? No. We're talking about serious, like I said, willful, persistent, serious sin. Um, an acknowledgement of public offense against the church is necessary in order to move towards forgiveness of the offender. It is also needed for the restoration to the church. This could be needed because the sin is of the scandalous nature, like 1 Corinthians 5. Anybody know what happened in 1 Corinthians 5? If you were here last week, I hope you can all say yes. Yes. What was it? The son was with his father's wife. Yeah. And they were approving of it. And they were approving of it, right? Yeah, there were a lot there was a lot of sins. Johnny did such a good job last week talking about the full, you know, scope of what's going on there. A lot of times we hear the first Corinthians five and we're just focused on the the kid or the, the son, I don't know, always the son and the mother in law is stepmother. Stepmother, there you go. Yeah, stepmother. Um that's what we mostly focus on. But there's the whole congregational part that Paul is really also focusing on that you guys are also sinning because you're approving of this nonsense. Um, so it could be something like that, super scandalous and gross. Um, it could also be needed because the offender has not yet repented of a private offense after entreaties uh, by the offended party, one or two others, as stipulated in Matthew 19, where we, 18, 18, where we really hear uh, our instructions on church discipline. Um, so it, it might be painful, church discipline, any kind of discipline is painful, but discipline is supposed to bring us to restoration, right? Especially if it's church discipline is to bring, this, bring us to restoration with the church and with the body of believers just as a whole. Um, and for you to be restored as well. Yeah. Just as an example of even how it can go beyond toward to affect unbelievers, mm. uh, the church I used to attend does practice church discipline, and it, on one particular Sunday, uh, they exercised church discipline on a woman who was in unrepentant sin. And uh, after that was over, there was a relative of a family member that was visiting from out of town who couldn't go anywhere because they had ridden with the family, didn't know this was going to happen. And she was all up in arms. Mm. How dare, how could you dare do that? Well, a year later, almost a, exactly a year later, they called the same kind of meeting at the end of the service and announced that that woman had repented and was seeking restoration and was being welcomed back into fellowship of the church. Praise God. Praise God for that. But guess who was sitting there? That woman who was so up in arms a year before. And she was amazed. Her whole attitude toward it changed. Uh, and, and as far as I know, she was not a believer, but she, she had a whole newfound respect for daring to confront sin. And that's because we take sin seriously. If we're not taking sin seriously, how are we different from everybody else out there? 
every other social club, every other political party, you know, right? We're, we're the same. Why? And, and people look at the church whenever sin is not taken seriously and they say, I can get that somewhere else. I get that on Facebook every day. People bickering, someone telling them what's right and what's wrong. I can just go to Facebook if I want to. No, but it's, it's a big difference when we actually do what the Word says, we take sin seriously, and seek righteousness and holiness as we're instructed to. Um, can somebody read 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 8 for me? 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 8. We'll get to this eventually in our sermon series as well. Maybe like three years. Go ahead. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not, uh, not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one... Uh, this punishment by the majority is enough, so that you should rather turn to forgive and confront him, or comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Yeah. I'm... Again, when when it's taken seriously, and the church does what it's supposed to with sin and church discipline. Again, it's for the person's good. Rex, I think your story was perfect, a perfect illustration of why it matters. You know, it's not just um, because that other lady also was like, wow, this, this is serious stuff and I, I have a better respect for this. But for the, the person who committed it, she came back, right? She's being welcomed back in, comforted trying to be restored to the church. And unfortunately, we don't see it a lot. We don't see the restoration all the time. And the church can only do their part. The other person has to be willing to be reconciled, right? They have to be willing, they have to be willing to admit and repent, confess that they are sinning, which is the hardest part, um, especially because we're just very prideful beings. Um, we all think we're right. So do I. Um, so it's, that's the hardest part. So that's the part that we, we just don't get to see a lot. But our hope as a church, whenever we go into church discipline, is that we can be restored to rightness together, right? to the unity of the body. All right. So next, we're going to talk about confessing your sins to another Christian to whom uh, you wish to be accountable who grew up with an accountability partner? Only me? I'm the only sinner? All right. um, what? Like, you grew up and you had an accountability partner. I had three of them, and they were very accountable, mainly with their fists. I'm just kidding. Not really. Uh, <laughs> I have three brothers, <laughs> uh, in case you didn't get the joke. All right, so... Um, Confess your sins to one another uh, to whom you wish to be accountable. James 5.16a says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Um, in view here is the confession to one or more fellow Christians to whom you have not sinned against. So this is not what we talked about earlier where you're coming to them because I sinned against you and now we need to be reconciled. This is coming to people, whether it's in your gospel community or a friend or a group of people, um, you haven't sinned against them, like you're confessing your sins to them, 
um, so that you can be held accountable to get past those sins. Typically, this is for people who are struggling with sin that they just continue to do over and over and over and over and over again and just can't seem to, to get away from it. So the Bible doesn't give us like specific rules on how we're supposed to do this or anything like that. But this type of confession is a powerful tool for overcoming repeated stubborn sins. And if your fear of God fails to keep you away from the habitual sin, add the fear of your friends and maybe that will do it. Right? Um, if you're taking it seriously as the accountability partner to the one that is needed to be held accountable, you have a very, I don't want to say, it's a heavy burden. It's a big task because you need to be the one that's come. If you're the one sinning, you're not always going to be coming to your accountability partner. Like, hey, guess what I did again? Oh my goodness. Help me. Um, you're, as the accountability partner, have to come to them. You have to be holding them accountable. And this goes on a wide scale for as a church, we should hold each other accountable, but also in this case, in an individual level. So you should be going to them um, and, and seeking to keep them accountable. Um, sometimes this kind of confession um, and, and accountability or all the time is daunting, especially if you're new to it. If you've never had somebody that you're confessing your sins to, it's just terrifying. Because we don't want to be held accountable, right? We want to be able to do our thing and just live and let live, as the world likes to say. Um, but this, this can be such a powerful thing to help you as an individual. So let me just say, if, if you are struggling with a sin that you just can't seem to get past, as scary as this is, as terrifying as it can be, having a brother or sister to come and help you through it can also be the most helpful thing. I, personally, struggled with an addiction to porn for many years. I don't even want to try and guess how many. I mean a struggle. Daily, repetitive struggle. And it took a lot of confession and a lot of accountability to get me past it. It's not drugs, even though it does the same thing in your brain. It's not, uh, you know, I'm not a habitual thief or anything like that. I don't kill puppies. Uh, but it's still, it's still a big, disgusting sin in people's lives. And I think more people go through that specifically than people want to admit. But one of the most powerful tools that helped me get through it was having confessed it corporately um, at a camp to my entire youth group. It was terrifying. But I just stood up and we were, they were asking for prayer requests and I said, I just can't, I can't do this alone. I just can't. And I had so many, I had so many friends who walked with me through that struggle. I still didn't, get past it, unfortunately, in those years. It wasn't until I was married and was able to confess it to a person who kept me accountable to get me through it. So, thank you. Um, but had I not done that, it would still be a problem. It would be a daily problem. It would be a, a weight on my back that I would not be able to get out from under. So your sin that maybe you're going through, that's something that you just can't seem to get past, it might not be something like that. 
Um, it could be your anger. No one likes to talk about anger. It could be your pride. It could be you think you're better than this person at work and you just can't seem to get that thought out of your head. I can do my job so much, or I can do your job so much better than you do your job. You're sinning. You might just need to confess it to somebody and have somebody hold you accountable. Uh, Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in, caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So again, this is an explicit command to us as believers to be able to do this with each other. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, I cannot come up with a reference, but there is an Old Testament statement of God in the law. Uh, said, it's an interesting contrast. It says, you shall not hate your neighbor, but you shall by all means rebuke him and not suffer sin because of it. And the implication of that, as I understand it, is if you're not willing to do that, you're hating that person. Because you're seeing them in bondage and not caring enough to try to do it. Yeah, you're not trying to liberate them. Yeah. Like, you're not trying to give them the gospel of peace, right? The way they live in war and conflict with themselves and others. Mm-hmm. That's oh, so misunderstood. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we see that in, in Ezekiel as well, which is not the same reference. But in Ezekiel, it talks about the blood guilt that will be upon you because you're not helping your brother. It's a very similar concept. So we're supposed to go to each other. We're supposed to hold each other accountable. Um, But because this is such a powerful thing, having accountability with one another, you do have to be cautious. You should be willing to confess your sin in its entirety to this person or these people which means you have to have a lot of trust in these people. If you um, are seeking that kind of accountability, you need to set up parameters. You need to make sure that, again, that there's trust both ways, that this is not something that's, you're not, you're not confessing this to somebody who just loves to gossip and, and talk to all their friends about everything that's going on in their lives. Um, it's, it's a powerful tool, so it needs to be wielded properly, okay? Um, 10, 15? Okay, 10 minutes. We're going to start the third section, um, unless anybody has questions or comments on that stuff. Cool. All right, section three, the wisdom of confessing sins, kind of the continuation, as you can see, is what we already talked about, because I think it's wise just to confess your sin anyway because of all the things that we already talked about. Um, But confession yields forgiveness and reconciliation. Again, something we've been speaking about all morning. Um, But as we read in 1 John 1, 9, as we discussed earlier, um, we need to uncover our sins so that God can forgive them. Micah 7, 18 through 19 speaks powerfully about God's wonderful and wonderfully merciful nature. And it says, Who is a God like you? pardoning the iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in the steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. 
He will tread our iniquities under feet, underfoot, and you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Amen. And thank God for that. If we didn't have such a holy and righteous God that we can confess our sins to and who can truly forgive us because of the work of his son, Christ, Jesus Christ, it would be for nothing. And all of this pardoning, pardoning of our iniquity, casting our sins into the depths of the sea, it would be on us to do that. And we can't. You cannot do that yourselves. You can't get rid of that guilt. And this is, again, where a lot of the other religions just, or all of the other religions just go wrong. Do this, do that, say this Hail Mary, go to this person, make this trek to wherever, pray towards Mecca. It doesn't do it. None of that does it. You have to have a perfect Savior to be able to get rid of those sins for you. And praise God that we have that perfect Savior in Christ. All right, and confession also enables us to prosper. Now, what that doesn't mean is prosper like financially. doesn't mean you're going to be healthy and wealthy and you're never going to have another problem because you, name it and claim you can't it. name it and claim it. I'm sorry, it's not a thing. Not a, it's not a thing. Um, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says, "Whoever conceals his trans- whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy." And Psalms thirty two three through five, which I think is probably one of the if you if you've not read Psalms thirty two, do it. Do it, do it, do it. But 32, 3 through 5 says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That verse 3 is just a great picture of the weightiness of sin on our lives when it's not confessed. For I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. David is explaining and showing us that this is a severe thing, that it really does impact your life. Maybe not physically, I'm not saying you sin and you don't confess and therefore you're going to get cancer or something crazy like that. That's not what David's saying either. But it is a weighty thing and he can feel the hand of God upon him because he's not confessing these sins that he's gone through. And we, I'm sure you can attest to it as well, when we're in sin and it's a constant thing that we're not confessing and we're not getting rid of, it's a a bear on your back, man. It's hard to get rid of that feeling of guilt, that feeling of shame, that feeling of, I have to get through this again, or I have to try and flee from it again. That's where all these tools that we've been talking about, confessing to each other, going to people, having accountability, those things can help. And the the accountability to God by confessing those things truly, fully to God. Again, God doesn't need you to do it because he knows it, but you need to do it so that you can be reconciled properly. We don't have time to go through the rest of them. So I'm going to stop there um, just so that we're not, uh, yeah, because there's a heck of a lot more to go through that. Um, But so just as a really quick recap, we want to make sure that we are confessing our sins to those that we have sinned against, 
Okay, you sin against somebody, whether it's a brother or sister in Christ or it's some rando uh, at work. You need to confess your sins to them. Uh, we need to confess our sins to the church by participating in congregational prayer of confession, by confessing when we're baptized, and confessing if you are under discipline. And then we need to confess our sins to other Christians uh, to whom we wish to be accountable because confession yields forgiveness and reconciliation and it enables us to prosper. Amen? Amen. Right. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get ready for the service. Our Father, we thank you that we have a holy God that we can, can confess our sins to. We thank you that you've provided us a body of believers that we can be accountable to. We thank you that we have your word that can keep all of us on the same track and that we have an objective standard that we can rule and judge by, not only ourselves, but especially ourselves, but also each other. Lord, help us to be um, adhered to your word. Help us to bring each other to reconciliation if we need to. And Lord, push our pride and our fear and our distrust aside and help us trust one another to confess our sins, to move towards reconciliation and wholeness and unity, not just with the body, but with you. Help us, Lord, in our, in our walk, in our time, where we see things in your word that might prompt us and remind us, ooh, you just did that, and that's not okay. Lord, help it to move us towards confession. Help your word to be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, Lord. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this church body who's willing again to talk about these things. Help us, Lord, to take it seriously. Help us, Lord, to look different from the world and take sin seriously as your word tells us to. Lord, be with our hearts and our minds as we prepare uh, for the sermon today that, uh, that we're going to receive. And we ask and thank you for all these things. Amen. Thanks, guys.